You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, I'm, I'm going to be speaking today, and um, I want to start off with uh, reading something, but uh, let me give it a little bit of context before, before I start reading. Um, so back on May... May 31st or May 30th, we had Randall Worley here with us. How many of you guys were here when Randall was here? Wasn't, wasn't that amazing? Uh, Randall preached such a now message and such a needed message for the body. And um, Randall is a part of our apostolic advisory board. And uh, if some of you are like, what in the world is an apostolic advisory board? Well, we feel like we are an apostolic church. And instead of just having regular board members, we wanted to put people around us who were apostolic fathers and apostolic leaders. And so uh, Randall is one of those apostolic leaders and one of those apostolic fathers in our lives. And when he was here preaching, Randall got through and he came into the green room after, after the service. And he opened up his Bible and he pointed to this verse. And I'm getting ready to read this verse. And um, he basically just said, hey, I really felt like while I was preaching that you needed to get prepared because this was going to happen. And let me read this verse to you. It says, uh, this is Isaiah 54, uh, verses 2 and 3. And this is out of the Passion Translation. It says, increase is coming, so enlarge your tent and add extensions to your dwelling. Hold nothing back. Make the tent ropes longer and the pegs stronger. You will increase and spread out in every direction and your sons and daughters will conquer nations and revitalize desolate cities. Isn't that good? Listen, uh, hey, when I say isn't that good, that's your chance to say amen. Come on. <laughs> you guys are going to have to interact with me this morning, all right? So, uh, I mean, hearing this verse, we've heard this verse before, and typically people will take this verse and use it to talk about building programs, talk about moving forward, and hey, let's, let's do this so that we can grow bigger and grow our, you know, have a larger congregation, have a larger church, and that's true, and I definitely see that, but I think there's more to it than just that. I, th I think what we have to realize as a church body is that our a foundation is the most important thing that's in our lives. And what is that foundation for us as believers? It's Jesus. Uh, but a foundation is, is probably the most important thing when you're talking about building a building. I know Scott and Lacey have been working on their farmhouse. They bought this house. Everybody kind of knows the story. They bought this house. They thought it, it was going to be less work than what it was. And now it's turned into this thing that's just, uh, it's all consuming. And they have been spending a lot of time just recently on the foundation. And they, it, it seems like it's been never-ending. But why has it been never-ending? Because they wanted to make sure they got the foundation right. And so now they're at a place where they're actually putting the floor joists in, and now they're ready to start building on top of that. And I think for us as a body, it is so important to understand that a foundation in our life is so imperative. And it's imperative in the fact that we... we we keep our beliefs in who Jesus is and around the truth of who Jesus is, but also around the truths that he taught. Everybody say amen. Amen. And, um, you know, a lot of times, though, we have so much to do with growing and enlarging our places and, and our capacities. It is a lot of our responsibility. You know, our preparation is an actual invitation for his intervention in our lives. Let me say that again. Our preparation is an invitation for his intervention in our lives. And we're not, when we're not preparing, what's happening is we're not allowing God to come in and do what he wants to do. What we're doing is we're, we're kind of holding to our own agenda or the things that we think are good things, but, they, but they're really not God things. Does that make sense? So what I want to talk about this morning... I want to talk about a truth that is really important, and I think it's important for where we are as a church, and that is around the subject of inheritance. How many of you guys like the word inheritance? Come on, it's a great word. Woo! Inheritance. And I want to talk about reopening the wells of inheritance, because I'm going to tell you something. There's so many things that can happen in our lives that can stop things up 
and keep us from flowing in the direction that God wants us to flow in. You know, God's writing a story about our lives. And so many times we're grabbing the pen out of his hands and we're not allowing him to finish writing the story. And uh, say, oh, me or my, it's, it's true, come on. I mean, how many of you guys have done that? I'm guilty of it. Grabbing the pen out of his hand and saying, no, I don't like the story you're writing. I'm going to rewrite my own story. And then you want to know why you've got the things you've got going on in your life is because you're writing your story and he's not writing your story. Amen. So I want to I want to open up with some verses, and this is going to be it's going to sound kind of meticulous, but it's I I, I really feel like it's going to set a foundation for where we want to go. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis 26, or if you got a Bible app on your phone, uh, try to follow along because I think this is uh, it's going to be really good. So Genesis 26, and uh, I was going to say 12 through 18, but I'm going to start off at 26:1, and. Um, what we see here is Isaac, the son of Abraham, his father has died and now he's moved, he's moved and his brothers moved and now they're moving and they're starting to move forward looking for the promised land, looking for that place that God had promised them. And so Isaac, <clears throat> Isaac is, is uh, he's, he's out, he's moving, he's going in the direction where he thinks God's leading, leading him. And in 26.1 it says a severe famine now struck the land, and as, as had happened before in Abraham's time. So Isaac moved to Gerar, or Gerar, where, uh, where Ambalek, the king of the Philistines, lived. The Lord appeared to Isaac, and he said, Do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. Live here as a foreigner in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. I will hereby confirm that I will give you all these lands to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham, your father. I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars and of the sky, and I will give you them all these lands. Everybody say, all these lands. All these lands. All these lands. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth, say, all the nations of the earth, will be blessed and I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed me in all my requirements and commands decrees and instructions so Isaac stayed in Gerar and he stayed in that place right there now I, a lot of this when we talk about he's telling Isaac all these things are gonna happen for you because of the covenant that I had with Abraham and because he was obedient and he did what I everything I asked him to do you know I, I tell you the biggest part of when we walk out our calling and we walk out what God has told us to do belief and faith go hand in hand with that it's our belief that we understand who we are we understand first and foremost who he is and then we put our faith and we put our trust in what he said amen and so Isaac is moving, and he is doing what, what God told him to do. So we go down to 12, and it says, When Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted. That's incredible. He, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted, for the Lord blessed him. He became a very rich man, and his wealth continued to grow. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats and herds of cattle and servants that the Philistines became so jealous of him, okay? So, so what they did when they got jealous, it says, So the Philistines became jealous of him, and they went and filled up all of Isaac's wells with dirt. And it said, These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father Abraham. That's messed up. Yeah. Can I tell you something? There are going to be times in your life, and this is a side note. This is not where I'm going. But there are going to be times in your life, like I got triggered when you said jacked up. Uh, there are going to be times in your life when you're moving with God and you're going in a direction and you're obeying him and you're doing what he's asking you to do. And there's going to be people that come against you. And, and it's not because they're malicious or vindictive or any of those things. It's because they're jealous. And I'm going to tell you something. You have to stay the course. And you cannot let those things deter you from what God's told you. 
Because if you do, you will never inherit the promise of what he said he would have for you. So that's just a side note. So there you go. That's free. So they filled up his wells. Finally, Amalek ordered Isaac. He said, Isaac, you got to leave the country, man. I can't deal with this anymore. You're, go somewhere else, he said, for you have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away to Gerar Valley where he set up their tents and settled down. It says he reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's, Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names that Abraham had given each one of those wells. So here we see Isaac is moving forward. He understands the covenant that his father had with God. Now God is reinforcing that covenant and saying, because of your father and because of his obedience, I will be with you also. And here's the deal. When, when, when we're moving towards what God has promised in our lives, there's always going to be obstacles. There's always going to be challenges. And just like Isaac, Isaac had the Philistines that came in and they were an obstacle. Why? Because they were jealous and because they came in and they filled in his wells. I, I think we could relate that to modern day time vernacular that it's the enemy who comes in and he tries to stop things up in our lives. He tries to break the natural flow of God's blessing in our lives because he thinks that if he can do that, it'll take our eyes off of God. And this is where we have to understand that no matter what the obstacle is that we're facing and no matter how hard it is, that we, we remember what the word is. We, we remember who he is. I, I, Steve Backlund used to say, he goes, you know, when, I, when I've got a word from God, I can put up with a lot of stuff. But when I don't have a word from God, I can't put up with anything. Just because I have no patience for it. And, and, and it hasn't been tried. It hasn't been true. And that's so true in our lives. When, when we get a word from God, it can keep us going straight no matter how many obstacles have, we have. No matter how many speed bumps we hit. And uh, Isaac is in this place where he's trying to learn this. And he's also, God is reinforcing to Isaac and telling him, hey, I'm going to be with you. So it says that he moved on from there into the valley. And then he moved on from there. And he ended up in Beersheba. This is uh, 26, 23. And it says, From there Isaac moved to Beersheba, where the Lord appeared to him on the night of his arrival. Not, not, not a couple weeks in or a couple months, the night of his arrival. And God says to him, I am God of your, I'm the God of your father Abraham. He said, Do not be afraid, for I am with you and will bless you. I will multiply your descendants, and they will become a great nation. I will do this because of my promise to Abraham, my servant. Again, God is in here and he is trying to reaffirm to Isaac and, and give him courage to say, do not fear what you see happening around you because I'm going to be with you. Listen, fear is the thing that will try to take you out of your race. It will try to take you and take away the promises that God has given to you and try to keep you from receiving them. Fear is the, one of the greatest obstacles we have to, have to face, but we got to remember who's in our camp and who's fighting alongside of us. It's God. It's God our Father. It's Jesus. He's done everything, you know, and this almost sounds contradictory, but Jesus has done everything he's already going to do he did it, and he completed it when he died on the cross. Amen. Amen. And I know sometimes that's not great theology for people because people want to be babied. Sometimes people want to be pampered, sometimes, including myself. Sometimes we want to think, oh, it's, you know, uh, there's more to the story than this. And listen, we've got to understand that what Jesus did on the cross finalized everything. It finalized his covenant with us. It finalized his promises. It had finalized the fact that his authority is absolute. Absolute in your life. It's absolute in my life. And so here is God telling Isaac, hey, listen, do not fear. We've heard this before. You remember when, um, just went blank, when uh, Moses and Joshua are, are at, you know, Moses Moses disobeys God. He can't go into the promised land. So here's Joshua sitting at the gates uh, to go into the promised land, into the city, to take over a city. And God has to tell Joshua twice, 
Not once, twice, which is pretty telling that obviously he was afraid. That God has to tell him twice. He says, do not fear. Do not be dismayed. I will be with you. I will be with you just as I was. I'm paraphrasing. I will be with you just as I was with my servant Moses. Amen? But what was the stipulation? The stipulation was the foundation of who God is. He said, if you will follow my ways and that you will, you will meditate on my laws and you meditate on who I am day and night and that no word will depart from your mouth that does not line up with my truth. As long as you stay in that place and you, and you, and you steward that place, I will be with you. Now, we have grace in our lives. You know, that we're, in, we're in a different dispensation. So there is grace when we make mistakes. But I've got to tell you, again, that inheritance, the key to inheritance is understanding the foundation of who Jesus is in our life. And learning how to lean into that and, and, and partner with who God says he is and what God has said he's done in our life. Let's go, to, let's go over to Genesis Let's look at what God said to Abraham in Genesis 17, verse 4. And I'm going to read this. I know this is a lot of scripture, but I just want to make, I'm trying to build on this. Um, This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. I will know, you will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham. For you will be the father of many nations, and I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations, and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. And this is an everlasting covenant. Everybody say everlasting. Do you know the definition of everlasting? is forever. It's everlasting. It does not end. It's everlasting covenant. And that's important for us to remember that. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give you the entire land of Canaan where you now live as your inheritance. Or as as former to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever and I will be their God. So we see here that God, God is saying... To Abraham, this is what I've given to you. God gives him three things to Abraham. Land, seed, and blessing. Those are the three things that God gave to Abraham. Land, seed, and blessing. And that turns over into and equates to dominion, legacy, and what? Inheritance. Dominion, legacy, and and inheritance. Those are the three things that it equates into. So here we are. It, it says in Hebrews that the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. Now this is really important because we overlook some of this stuff. You know, we just we just say a few prayers or we just make a few declarations or some confessions, and we think because we're making declarations that it's going to change the course of where we where we are going. It's not going to change the course of where you're going unless you, you have a strong belief system and trust that what was said and what was spoken is actually going to happen. Amen. Amen? Does that make sense? I know this sounds really elementary, but guys, I'm telling you, this is, this is something that I think for many of us, we, we drop the ball on and we cut off our source and we cut off the supply of who God is in our lives and what God is wanting to do. And so God is saying in Hebrews, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. Hebrews 8.13 says, when God speaks of a new covenant, it means he has made the first obsolete. It is now out of date and will soon disappear. As great as the first covenant was, he's saying it's obsolete now. Everybody say obsolete. And I'm going to tell you why it's obsolete. Hebrews 8, 6. But now hath he, Jesus, obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also is the, is a, sorry, by how much more also is he a mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, 
then should no place have been sought for the second. So remember this. If the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for, us, for another covenant. So why was it faultless? Why was it faultless? Because it was exclusive. Why was, this, is, is, was it exclusive? Because it was for man. It was for man only. Only for the Jews. And it could not be transferred. It could not be transferred, period. So it was, it was only for one group of people. One, one, one uh, I say sex of people. Um, and uh, and, and it, it could not be transferred. So it's not like you have an inheritance, inheritance and you write your children's name down on your will and it transfers over into your children's name. It was, it was non-transferable. It had to go to the first male son it, as, as Hebrew culture demanded. Galatians 3, 28 and 29 said there is not. Now here's the good news. This is the shouting part. Galatians 3, 28 and 3:29 says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there a male and a female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abram's seed and heirs according to the promise. Amen. This is a better covenant. Because now where we, it was exclusive, now it's all inclusive. It, it, now Jesus came because what he did on the cross, died, shed his blood for us. Now it's, we are totally included into that promise. That now there's nothing we have to do to perform in order to make this happen other than believe God. Trust God. Don't fear. And learn how to steward what he's given us. Now, I know this saying, learning how to steward kind of sounds like works, but we have to, listen, stewarding is a, king, a kingdom principle. Bottom line, it's a kingdom principle. God expects us to, he expects us to steward things that he gives us. You know, in Jeremiah 2.13, I want to show you really the, the principle behind what, what the well really signified in the Old Testament and how it was an, a well of inheritance and what it really represented, not just as inheritance, but who it represented. So in Jeremiah 2.13, uh, we see the prophet uh, Jeremiah is talking. Let me get my phone open. I've got all these verses and I'm trying to jump all over the place. Thank you. So Jeremiah 2.13. I'm getting to it. I'm sorry. My people have committed two sins. First one is they have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they have dug their own cisterns. Broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So he says, my people have two things against them. They have forsaken me, who I am the spring of living water. And it says, then they have forsaken him. And then two, they have dug their own cisterns. You know what a cistern is? A cistern is not an actual well. A cistern is a container that is used to hold water. Okay? And so it says... They, they dug and they, they used cisterns to put water in and to, and to hold water. But it, God said the cisterns are not going to last forever and they're going to break and they're not going to hold the water. The difference between the cistern and a well is a well has a, 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 a total source, a non... What did you just constant flow. Yeah, constant flow. It has a constant flow of water coming out of a spring, coming up out of the ground, which God was trying to make the point... When you fall away from him and when you're not putting all your trust in him and you're not leaning, you start leaning on your own understanding instead of on his understanding and following his, what he asked you to do, then you're looking for another source of living water. He is your living water. He is your source of life. Now, this is Old Testament, so I'm not trying to bring a condemning word here. What I'm trying to point out here is that there are wells of inheritance that we have that have been given to us through Abraham and then have been redeemed by Jesus himself. And that there are things in our lives that if we're not careful, just like the Philistines will come in and try to clog up 
the flow that God has in our lives. Amen? That's, that's the point I'm trying to make. Listen, when we forget that God the Father is the source of living water in our lives, and we look for substitutes, our wells of inheritance become stopped up. And just like Isaac, it's a time to reopen wells. It's a time to dig new wells. It's a time to just not allow circumstances of the past. It's time not to allow the hurts of the past to clog up that source that God has for you. And this kind of revolves around that whole word Randall gave uh, when he was here, which was, you know, if we don't learn how to transform our pain, what will happen? We'll transmit our pain. Amen. If we don't learn how to get out of the past and, and understand that we'll never be able to go where God wants us to go, if we keep reflecting and basing everything we do on what's happened behind us. God is not a God of the past. He is, he is a God of the future. He is a God of the present. We're not to live from a place of past present. We're to live from a place of present future as his believers and as, as his children. Okay? So we've got we've to understand that, again, that our preparation is an invitation for his intervention. And if the enemy can keep us focused on the, on the wrong things, he can keep us from coming in and receiving the things that God wants us to do in our lives, which is to rule. The three things that Abraham, the, the three things that God gave Abraham. What were those three things? Inheritance, blessing. Yeah, that's right. So we were created for dominion. We were created to go in and never to be in a place where we just managed or maintained. We're always supposed to be in a place where we're taking dominion, where we're taking ground, where we're advancing because of the kingdom and because of what Jesus has done for us and what he did on the cross. Amen? Amen. So we're, we're to continue to move forward. We're ne this maintain thing... Uh, at some level, it's got to switch and we got to get out. of. And, I, and I'm saying that because, and I've been saying this for the last couple of weeks. Coming out of the COVID and all the stuff that we've been going through, it, it, it's kind of set us up in a place where that's all we've done is been maintaining. Right? Wouldn't you agree with that? We're just kind of maintaining. We weren't dreaming about the future. We weren't moving forward. We weren't, we weren't advancing really. We were stuck. We were stuck in one place. And we were just like, oh, I'm just going to maintain this little area I've got. And I'm not supposed to go out. I'm supposed to do this. And that mentality, if we don't break that off and realize that that mentality becomes such an obstacle for us. We've got to remember who we are. That we're Christ. We're his sons. We're his daughters. We've been given, the, we have been given his ability to conquer. We've been given his ability to take dominion. And we've got to move into that. And it's time we begin to start understanding that, hey, we get, to, we get to dig new wells. Let me tell you, in Matthew 25, 14, and 30, there was, a, there, was a, there was a story that Jesus was telling. And he was basically talking about, I probably should go here because it's, it's a great. Anybody know Matthew 25, 14 through 30? It's talking about the parable of the talents. And this, this goes right back into the whole thing of ma maintaining. So it says, the parable of the talents or the parable of the servants, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven, this is Jesus talking, he said, The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. And he called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave the first five bags of silver, uh, five bags of silver, to one, two bags of silver, and to another, one bag of silver. Well, I could read this whole entire thing, but it's really long. So what ends up happening? He goes away, and the guy that gave, he gave five bags, he doubled. The guy he gave two bags, he doubled. The guy he gave one bag, what, you remember what he did with it? It said that he was afraid, and he went, and he dug a hole, and he hid the money. <laughs> so the master comes back. The master comes back. And uh, he says, well, first he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I would give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, master, I knew you were a harsh man. Harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid. 
I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. Well, then the master said, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. And then he ordered for that money to be taken from that servant and given to the one with the ten bags of silver. And to those used well, what, and it says, to those who use well with what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. Amen? Amen. So what, what I'm trying to get you to see here is that we're not, we're not called to maintain. We're not called just to, just to manage something. We are called to take something that he's given us an inheritance that he has given to us we're to take that inheritance and we're to double that inheritance Amen. we're to steward that inheritance and we're to understand that he's there to partner with us in this he is there to help us in this season of building and moving forward we can't stay in a place you know right now the church has been under a lot of attack it's just been under a lot of attack we've seen a lot of stuff that's been happening in america there's just so much uh you know stuff that's going on that's causing confusion and there's just not a lot of clarity right now could you agree with that Amen. but that shouldn't affect us it should not affect us as christians we've got to understand that system does not affect us directly the system that affects us is heaven's system. It's the kingdom. That's what affects us. We move forward and we have an inheritance. And even if you haven't had an inheritance that your parents have given you, or you have a natural inheritance, you have a spiritual inheritance. The things that were Abraham's are now yours. Now you're like, well, I don't have all this land and I don't have all these animals and I don't have all this money and I don't... Listen, it doesn't matter it's still true if you're a Christian and you're a believer God said that his inheritance has become your inheritance and because of Jesus now it's you it's you're not excluded from it it's yours but you got to steward it we've got to understand that we've got to move forward with it and we can't stay where we've always stayed that it's time to move forward how do we how do we listen to time it is 1130 how do we get to this place where we where we prepare for increase how do we prepare for increase? There's a, there's a mind change that has to take place in us. We have to get our, our mind and our thoughts lined up with what his thoughts are about who we are as his Christians, as, as his believers, as his sons and his daughters. The first thing is rediscover your first love. Rediscover your first love. I'm not talking about your wives. Okay, even though they are our loves, they're our, they're your first love. Your first love is who? Jesus. Rediscover your first love. That first love encounter you had with Jesus. Allow this to become your foundation. And continue to return to that place when you're finding places in your life where you're feeling dry or you're feeling empty. We've got to go back to that place of our first love. I remember, uh, I'll just share this real quick story. I remember... The first encounter I had with God before I got saved, you know, again, I said this a few weeks back. I didn't find God. God found me. Amen. This is the thing about the God we serve. He is constantly searching us out. He is constantly looking for us. So here I am in college. I'm riding rodeo. I'm a wild man. I'm doing crazy stuff. I'm in a co-ed dorm. I've been up all night partying, drinking, all kinds of other stuff. I'm just being real. You guys aren't going to be mad at me, are you? And I, I, remember, I remember just waking up uh, just with this horrible hangover, okay? I guess that's what happens when you drink all night, right? You wake up with a horrible hangover. I remember this like yesterday. Literally, this is my first love encounter I had with God. And it's enough of a love encounter that when I go back and I, and I revisit it, it makes me want to love him even more. And this is what I'm talking about. You've got to rediscover that love encounter. It's the thing that's going to keep you moving forward. It's the thing that's going to reignite your fire. But I woke up that morning just messed up, and I just felt blanked out. Like I just, it, it, Have you ever felt like you just don't know what's going on in your life? You don't know who you are. You don't know where you're going. You don't know the next step you're going to take. You don't know... You don't know what's going to happen. And I woke up that morning feeling that way. And I went and I looked in a mirror. And as I'm sitting there looking in the mirror, it's almost like I didn't see my reflection. It's like I just saw a blank thing. 
Like, it, it could have been a supernatural encounter. I really don't know what was happening. But at first, I couldn't even see my face. Like, I don't even see anything. And then the next thing, I see my face, and I, I'm sitting here thinking, and I, I might even said it out loud. It's been a while. It's been a minute. <laughs> I sat there, and I looked at the mirror, and I said, who are you? Who are you? I don't even know who I'm looking at. And then I heard another voice inside of me. And it said, leave this place and I'll show you. I mean, I heard it that clear. And that started me on my journey where I found God. And he, where I found God. God had found me. He found me in that room. And that was a love encounter that I had with him. That I could not have had on my own. And from that point forward, I started moving forward and searching for him. So, first thing, how do we prepare for increase? We rediscover your first love. Go back to the place of your first love encounter with Jesus. Uh, and allow this to become the foundation in your life. Allow this thing to drive you, to be there for you to pull on. And continue to return to that place. You know, and, and we can do a lot of things to make that happen. You can sit and soak. You can, you can worship. You can do all these things. But you've got to disconnect from all this in order to have a love encounter. If you don't disconnect from all this and you don't disconnect from this and spend quality time with him in prayer and worship and soaking before him, you're, go you're not going to know your identity. You're not going to know your identity. Period. That's what's wrong with our generations today. They don't know their identity because they're allowing everybody else to tell them who they are. Amen? It's true. It's, it's true. Second thing, remember your calling into ministry. Reflect on the moments where the fire was sparked in your heart by God. And you can say, well, I'm not called into ministry. Listen, I know that there's a very small percentage of people that are called into the five-fold ministry. But everybody has been called into the ministry of reconciliation. Amen. Every single one of you in here have been called to the ministry of reconciliation. And that's where you go out and you become a mediator for Christ. That's where you come out and you become a representation of his exact nature and character. So if you're becoming a representation of his exact character and nature, you better be full of love. And you better be full of power in the supernatural to release, thing over, release things over people's lives because that's who he is. You have been called to the ministry of reconciliation. So remember your calling into ministry. Remember when that happened. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20 talks about that. Okay, number three, enlarge your thinking and dreaming. Listen, God wants to expand your life. He wants to break off every limitation. Don't settle, don't settle for average. Don't settle for less. Don't do it. If you settle for average and you settle for less, you don't have God to blame about it. You have yourself to blame about it. And I know this because for too long I settled for average. I settled for less. And, and, you know, God wanted me to dream with him. And I was scared to dream with him because I knew it was going to take a leap of faith. I knew it was going to take something in me that I had never done before. And it scared me. It literally scared me. So I was willing just to stay average. Oh, I'll just stay where I'm at because I got it pretty good. And there's no real reason for me to do And I'm, when I'm talking about the greatest dream and the greatest thing God ever did with Terry and I both, we're starting this church. Dreaming into this church. When, when God was dreaming about this church, you know what he was dreaming about? You. Every single one of you in here. He had you in his heart when he was dreaming with me about this church. And I had no idea what he was doing. Because I had fear all over me. And I was like, man, this, I just want to be average. I'm not going to take the risk. I'm just going to stay where I am. But there was something inside of me that said, don't do it. Don't do it. Dare to dream. Amen. Dare to dream. You know, we've got a dream so big that without the support that comes through favor with God and man, we could never accomplish what is in our hearts. Guys, let me tell you something. Terry and I could have never done what we're doing now without the favor of God and without the favor of man. And without them two pieces and those two people attaching themselves to us and partnering with us. It's just been a, a wonderful thing. I mean, it's been a, it's been a tough thing t sometimes because it's a learning experience. But let me tell you something. We have got to get to a place, if we want to see that inheritance fulfilled in our life, we can't keep stopping up our well by thinking 
on a place of being average or just thinking, hey, enough is, you know, just a little is good enough. No, don't be satisfied with that. So it got to enlarge your thinking and your dreaming. Next thing, strengthen rela relationships. Invest in people who nourish your journey with God. Gosh, this is important. Birds of a feather flock together. Nobody's laughing. Because it's true. Listen, uh, I'm going to say a name. Nobody's probably going to know this guy. Peter Lord. Anybody remember who Peter Lord? I got to see a few hands. I'm, I'm stating, I'm aging myself. Peter Lord said, you can't fly with eagles when you're hanging out with turkeys. It's true. It's true. Listen, surround yourself with people and strengthen your relationships who are going to nourish your journey with God. Who are going to speak over you and declare who God says you are. Don't hang out with people that are, ne what is it, negative Nellies, you know. Negative Nellie. Remember that one, negative Nellie? You guys, man, this is a hard crowd this morning. Come on. <laughs> negative Nellies. Don't hang out with negative Nellies. Or, or what's the other one for a guy? I can't remember what it is. But um, So strengthen those relationships. You've got to remind you of your identity and, your vi and the vision that he's placed on the inside of you. It's so imperative. It's so important. Um, and here's one. And this is one nobody likes. Do we got that video semi-ready? We got that? Let's, let's watch this video real quick. Anybody remember Stretch Armstrong? That one, that one is old as a, that was a pretty new video. I, I was thinking about even further than that. Listen, the other thing you got to do to prepare for increase is you got to, you have got to be prepared and get ready to be stretched. Just like Stretch Armstrong. I remember having a Stretch Armstrong and pulling that thing so far apart. I'm thinking, surely this thing's going to break. It never did break. Now, I guess if I'd have tied it to a bumper of a car, to another car, we'd have broke it. But, uh. <laughs> I hadn't gotten to the point where I was uh, lifting cars yet, so I didn't, I didn't have a car. I think I tried it with a bike one time, and it, and it, it turned out really bad. But um, <laughs> we thought, man, I thought this thing's going to break. Listen, when you want to prepare for increase in your life, and you want to see inheritance come through you, and see the benefit of inheritance, it's going to come through a place where you're, you're allowing yourself to be stretched. You gotta allow yourself to be stressed. This is not fun. It's not fun, but it's it is necessary. Guys, growing pains are a real thing. You remember when you were a kid or you had your kids and they're like, I hurt, my my legs hurt. My, you remember that? But that's growing pains. Growing pains are necessary in order for, their, uh, for them to uh, mature as an adult. It's the same thing with us spiritually. For us to mature as God's sons and daughters, for us to mature as Christians, we're going to have to be stretched. And you've got to put yourself in a place where you will be stretched. Don't run from it. Listen, you, we, we got to lean into it and trust God. And most of the time, the reason why we won't lean into it and trust God is because we've been stretched before and we were like, oh, I don't like that and I'm not going to do it again. Or we've been stretched by the wrong the, the wrong means or the wrong place we were in the wrong places and we're stretched and there there was pain attached to it and so everything that happens after that and we put a little pressure gets put on us or we get stretched anyway we run from it and we don't realize it's running from it that's keeping us from inheriting the 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 promises that god has for us Amen. be willing to be stretched if you're not allow if you're not allowing yourself to be stretched you're not going to grow and you're not going to get to where God wants you to go. And he's not, and, and, and this is not anything against you. It's not punishment. But if you can't steward that, you're, he's not going to be able to bring the increase in your life that he wants to bring to you. Because you can't handle it. Okay. You guys. 
Listen, it's true. It's true. It's true. You, we, we've got to get to that place where we say, God, I'm, I'm okay with you stretching me. And I know it's painful, and I know it doesn't feel good, but I know the end result is going to bring massive breakthrough in my life. It's going to bring massive promises of God. And, it's, and, and that's what he wants for us. And you might think you're going to break, but you're not. Just, just lean into it. The last thing, and we're going to end with this, we have got to begin to think about legacy and sustainability. Legacy and sustainability. What we're doing here is not just about us. It's not just about us gathering a group of people so we can all hang out and just fellowship all the time. There has to be intention behind why we gather. And the intention of why we are gathering and why we're coming together is because together we're better. And because we're better together, we're building strength off of one another. We're coming together and we're cheering each other on. We're encouraging one another. We're in lifting one another up. We're empowering each other. We're activating each other. For what purpose? For the kingdom. To advance the kingdom. So that that uh, irresistible, uh, irresistible environment Scott was talking about would become infectious and it would it would be modeled in here and then it would be taken out of the four walls and demonstrated in the city and in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces and in our schools listen we we have the solution to the world's problems does that sound arrogant it's okay because God said we have this because of him and because of Jesus and because they live inside us we have the supernatural solutions for the world and we need to understand, we carry that. Each one of you in here carries a piece of that. You don't carry all of it. You carry a piece of it. And together, we all come together. We figure it out. And it happens. That's what, you know, the whole verse that says, you know, the eye can't say it doesn't need the, the head. Or it, the ear can't say it doesn't need the nose. or the, We all are fitted jointly together for a purpose and a reason. And if we're going to see increase in this season, because listen, seasons come and go, and, and seasons can be really long, and seasons can be really short. I believe we're in a new season right now, and I think that season is getting ready to explode. And we've got, but it's not going to happen in our environment if we don't prepare for it, and we don't get ready for it, and we don't take ownership of it and say, I'm going to do more than just fill a seat. I'm literally going to, I'm going to do something that's going to help prepare. Scott said about the kitchen. When you're a part of a family, you've got to do something. You don't have any choice. It, listen, and I'm not trying to sound legalistic, but when you're in this house, you don't have a choice. If you're going to be part of this family, we want you to do something. We want you to prepare the table so when people come in here, they get fed. Jesus, help me. I'm trying. I'm trying. Check that tree. Yeah. Guys, this is not a condemnation message, okay? I, what I'm trying to do here is encourage all of us and myself that, hey, we're in a new season. And, and we're all responsible for the season that we're in. All, all us older people in here, if you're an older person, and I don't, I'm not saying your age. If you're an older person here, raise your hand. Put your hand up. I want to see your hand. I put my hand up. Okay. Uh, well, I'm just an older person. You can be any older person. You can be any age. Listen, guys, <laughs> you're not over. Okay, man. Listen, it's time to refire, not retire. Get this retire stuff out of your head. Come on. Listen, I, I, know, I know when you have a job, and like my wife just retired from teaching of 32 years, we want to celebrate those moments. But Guess what? When you retire from that, Eric, God's not done with you. He's got more things he wants you to put your hand to. Look at the guys in the Bible. They were 180, 90 years old, and they were, they were still fighting and taking land and having babies. Abraham, that's right. Yeah. That's, that's the fun part, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> fun for who? Good point, Melissa. Fun for who? Oh my gosh. Uh, guys, I just want you to know, listen, Jesus loves every one of us. And he just wants us to know that he's got a plan and he's got a purpose for us.
not only individually, but as a family, and to move forward. In this season, we are going to start being aggressive and taking steps to, to grow. We really are. And, and I don't mean that to be weird or, or sound like I'm trying to, you know, make something happen. Listen, I want to do everything from a place of rest. Let, because that's the place God's in. When we're, when we're working from a place of rest rather than from a place of t toiling and struggling and frustration, it is such a big difference. How many of y'all have been there, right? Uh, his yoke is easy. His yoke is easy. And when we're leaning into his truth and we're leaning into the season that he's called us to, work is going gonna, is gonna to look like rest. And it's not going to be hard because it's coming from his heart. And his heart is connected to our heart. And we're going to be able to do it with such ease and with such grace. Amen? Amen. Everybody stand up. All right. Well, I hope I got that out good enough. I'm, I, I kind of struggled with that. I apologize. But, you know, just trying to articulate and put some things around what it looks like to grow, what it looks like to be prepared for what God's going to do here in this new season, how we, he wants to expand this house, but how he wants to expand your house. And uh, everybody, let's, let's just pray. I'm going to release this in prayer today, and I'm just going to re release a prayer over you. Father, we just pray for everybody in this, in this building today. God, I pray for an absolute uh, blessing over each individual in this place. I, I, I declare that, God, their places of, uh, of their homes are going to enlarge, that, God, their ability is going to enlarge to be able to do the things that you've called them to do, that, God, you're going to just uh, blessings on them financially, that they are going to start, there's going to be ideas and dreams and things that they've never thought of that, God, you're going to release on them in this new season. That, God, you want to partner with each person in this room to do something absolutely incredible. So, Father, we just speak a blessing, a Father's blessing over every person in this room and over every family member in here. And, Father, we just say more. We just say more. Just more of you, Father. More of your goodness. More of your spirit. Uh, more of your love, uh, God, just more of your supernatural provision in our life. And God, we just say yes. We say yes. And as we say yes, uh, it's a, it becomes a season of yes that God has spoken over your lives. A season of yes. And Father, we just thank you. We just thank you for your faithfulness, your goodness, for your provision, for your salvation. And for your goodness, Father. And we just, we just love you. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.